0: A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and
1: 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dan. How well, are you? Hi, doing? Dan. I'm yeah? well. How are you? I'm doing really well. Two Dans. I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm sure it won't be confusing in the least. Not in the least. But. <laughs> Dan Altina, you're here for the first time, filling in for, well, not filling in for Betsy.
2: Hopefully taking the role of Betsy and doing as good of a your job as I is can. Your voice a little deep.
1: Yeah. And are going have to, Yeah, you just squeak it up a little bit? <laughs> I think that's your job, isn't okay, it? You're it the is. ones with the voice breaks all the time. <laughs> it does. It does. So, yeah, you're the president of the company, stepping up, filling in. Let's just talk a little bit about your... History in the, in, in the company, sure. just briefly. Okay. You don't have much time, right. so make
2: it snappy. Make it quick, all right. Um, so similar to you, I started working in the store. Spent mm-hmm. several years working in the store, waiting on customers. We've had a lot of similar experiences in that regard. I also spent a lot of time working in the laboratory and the plant. Um, and I'm a, essentially a paint chemist. Okay. Um,
1: so I've done a lot of work behind the scenes, it's important. You know, we we talk about it all the time. A lot of folks who live in Holland and been in Holland for years and years know this, but we always run into people who are surprised to hear that RepcoLite makes our own line of paint as well and have been right. doing that since 1946. Correct. So when you say in the plant and working as a chemist, we're you were paint literally factory. a part of yep. making the paint and... You know, coming up with the chemical formulations. You don't do so much in the lab right now, but no. you're still a part of that.
2: Yeah, I still As have new a products. say once in a while, yeah. you know, right? Come around. And I find it very interesting, you know. It's very, everything is different. Just like painting projects, every project is somewhat different. Same thing with all the different varieties of paint that get made. Um, it's a never-ending challenge in... To me, it's really enjoyable and interesting.
1: I know one of your favorite things, at least in conversations we've had, I don't know if you've ever said this is one of my favorite things, but I've picked it up, and maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, correct me. But you always seem to You like, know I will. I know, I know. I have no <laughs> doubt that you will. I have in the past. <laughs> Repeatedly. But we, when customers come in, we'll, we'll get painting contractors, for example, who will have, okay, the product that you've got does like 80% of what I need it to do. It's really close. But it's not quite there. Is there anything you can do? I know you take great fun, have great yeah, fun, tweaking these products and helping. You know, well, it's, a, this it's thing. a challenge.
2: You know, it's it's rising to an occasion. It's you know solving a problem. Yeah, yeah, those are great challenges. I love that.
1: And it's really interesting because you know that's not where we want to go with this segment. But a number of products that are on the shelves right now are here. For everybody to use, because because of someone's situation, a specific need, it. Where yeah. we had to tweak an existing product, and all of a sudden, hey, this is even better. Here's a great addition to the line. Right, it's really fun in that regard. Working in in a company where we make our own product, of course, we carry Benjamin Moore and a number of other brands and, and products that we carry. But it's fun to also have that part of it. Having our own brand gives us a lot of versatility. Yeah, a lot of fun. So you're here. And you've got all kinds of things that you've, when I heard Bret- Betsy was leaving, you were the one who told me. And you did not let me down easy. I was talking oh. to you, and you said, oh, I'm going to make your day even worse. <laughs> yeah, right. And I know. I, said, I didn't oh, know how to break it to you. I'm please sorry. Please don't tell me Betsy quit. Yeah. And you said like she how had did to you leave. predict that? I don't oh, know. Oh, I just, I could, when you said you're going to make my day worse, the only thing I could think on that day that would make it worse was that. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. But then you told me that your plan was to step in and and try to help out with the show and keep things moving in that regard. And then you started listing off all these ideas that you had. And honestly what very first when you told me you were going to step in and fill in for Betsy You were mortified, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was thrilled. Uh Oh, yeah. Reservedly. Uh I figured what we're going to get is just, oh, it's going to be 100% paint topics. All right. This is going to be so boring. And we can't do 100% paint topics on the show. Nobody wants to hear that. How do I tell Dan that we can't do paint topics? And then your first idea, which we're going to cover next week, so I'm not going to spill the beans now. But it was so outside the realm of paint topics. I thought, oh, that's the kind of thing I would have been embarrassed to say out loud. But you wanted to do it, so I like projects. I have a lot of projects. I'm like you. You know, yeah. it's fun to do projects. It's and, fun to complete them.
2: Yeah, and, and, and again, just like paint formulation, it's fun to rise to that occasion. It's fun to solve that riddle.
1: So here's a riddle, and this is what you wanted to talk about, and we've we've left you three minutes to do so. Hanging Christmas lights, Yeah. which I thought was, a, again, it was a surprising topic that you wanted to hit, but I was glad for it yeah. because it's it's outside of the world of paint. I don't hang Christmas lights. I'm a Scrooge. You're a Scrooge, right? It's, yeah. yeah. I'm my, lazy. My kids and would call you a Scrooge for they can sure. we drive been, by your house and go, Scrooge. I've been called worse. Yeah. Go ahead. Just don't throw stuff that I all have right. to pick up. Yeah. You've got a way that you said is so easy to yeah. get them down. Right. So first of all, uh, have you had braces? your kids have braces? I have not, but my kids
2: have. Okay. So do you know those little teeny rubber bands? Oh my goodness. Those, they're everywhere. I think they're called orthodontic elastics. Oh. Actually, that's the technical term wow. if you need to look it up. I'll okay, look it which, up. Which you will because after I tell you what you can do with those, you're going to want I'm so, going to want them? Right. If you don't already have some left over in, right, in the junk drawer. Um, I have cup hooks about every two feet along the eaves of my house. Mm-hmm. I installed them 20 years ago. So, I'm not a big fan of heights. I don't. I don't know if
1: you agree oh, with me. I'm You're... shorter than the Dickens. I'm not a big fan of heights either, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of sitting on this raised chair. <laughs> so you know, I want to limit my
2: ladder time to only the necessary. Yeah. So I have installed these cup hooks, and I used the little orthodontic elastics, the little rubber bands for yep. those of you listening at home. <laughs> the for you non dental yeah. um, people, I capture the string light with this little rubber band. I hooked the little rubber band onto the cup hook, then capture the string of light in that and then hook it back around the rubber band uh, so around the cup. So
1: basically it hook. cradles the wire. Yeah, it's if not you can wrapped in it, the wire.
2: Right, and the wire is not in the cup hook. The wire is attached to the cup hook with the rubber band. So that way I can set up the lights in the summer. I could do it, you know, when oh, the weather's any nice. nice. Day. Yeah, and then in the winter on uh, Epiphany, January 6th. Which
1: is when Christmas should officially come It's the
2: twelfth day of Christmas. You have
1: to take down the decorations. Yeah, my it's sisters the right take thing thing the do. tree
2: down the day after Christmas. That's and too it's soon. Done. Yep, I tell them that. So all you have to do in January on January six is stand on the ground pull that wire, and they all fall to the ground.
1: It sounds like it would probably be very, very um, satisfying, like watching those videos online where they power wash stuff. It's extremely satisfying. Extremely satisfying. So there you go. Dan, that's your first one. You got your first segment under your belt. Awesome. I really feel like I'd done very well, and maybe even better than you would have done. Yeah, just keep telling yourself (laughs) that. All right, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about clear coatings for wood and trying to cut through some of the confusion out there. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned.
0: Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM.
1: And we're back, and one of the things that I think is, is very interesting, there's lots of interesting things in the paint world, right, Dan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of interesting things, which is surprising, because really, when you say paint, the very A lot of first people thing, don't get very enthused about that. Yeah, it's not the thing that just it makes everybody edge closer to the radio, or the TV, or whatever it is. But in the world of paint and coatings and things like that, the people who really work with the stuff a lot develop a lot of opinions- There's a lot of strongly held opinions about certain things. And one particular aspect of this that I want to dig into is clear coatings. And when we talk about staining wood furniture or anything, cabinets. Clear coatings on wood. Clear coatings on wood. That's what we want to deal with. When you Google it and look around, you're going to find a bazillion different opinions about what's best and what to use where you know I ran into one the one that really really caught me off guard and surprised me was a well-known website talking about finishing hardwood floors and the recommendation after they go through the whole process of getting your floor ready is to coat that up with tongue oil oh boy for a hardwood floor not, right. not the best way to go. No, not very durable. And yet that is a website that's in, incredibly well known. And so I thought, we've talked about them before, but let's dig into them again, just because, okay. any, especially heading into winter, a lot of folks are going to be doing little projects around the house, sure. little things like that. Let's just go through some of the coatings and try to let you know where it's good, where you might want to use it, and where certain things just really strengthen out. Strengths and weaknesses. So let's start with tongue oil. Okay. And there are... Three different types of tongue oil, I guess I'd say. Three different ways that this finish Varieties. can you. Varieties. And it's important because each one is slightly different with application, with how it dries, with you know, pretty much anything. There's a lot of variation. So there's 100% tongue oil. All right. This is something that no DIYer is probably going to be using because it's such a complicated to work with product. It just dries so slowly. Not very commonly available either. Okay, not very commonly available. Dries slowly. You're looking at 48 hours dry time about between coats. In an ideal situation. In an ideal situation, yeah. In in certain ways, you might even end up with longer time. And the really fun thing is you've got 48 hours in between coats, and you need five to seven coats. Lots of coats. So, you start a project in June. (laughs) And sometime around Christmas- It's ready. You might be ready. <laughs> <laughs> then there's other, vent- other other versions of that. There's a tongue oil varnish, and that's what we have. Sort of a hybrid. Yeah. It's fortified with resins. You apply it with a rag. You wipe off the excess. It, it, it's a little more durable uh, than, than the 100% tongue oil, but again, not, not terribly durable compared to other products out there. Right. And then the third one is a tongue oil finish, which is kind of interesting because a lot of us know of a certain brand- and that's what we think of when we think of tongue oil. I'm not going to say it here. Okay. But there's a certain brand that everybody thinks about. Oh, yeah, that brand. Well, it turns out that one doesn't even have tongue oil in it at all. Except in the name. Except in the name, right. <laughs> and that's basically just a thinned out varnish. Okay, right, right. So, tongue oil is an old... Basically, old technology.
2: Right. It's one of the very few natural drying oils. You know, there's plant, most all coatings that are solvent based Mm -hmm. are derived from plant resins, you know, the plant oils. And um, almost universally, those don't dry on their own. But there are a couple that do, that will dry to a hard film Mm -hmm. without being a, a synthesized and you know chemically altered to do that. And tongue oil is one of the few that
1: is that way. It's been around for what, <clears throat> 2,500 years? Oh, yeah, thousands of years. Thousands of years. And when you think about it that way, there have been a lot of improvements. There's been some technological in 25- <laughs> improvements in the last 2,000 years. <laughs> so tongue oil, that's just a quick overview. Where would you use it? I think it, it's certain situations, you know, sometimes Yeah, old craft furniture. items, yeah. Um, you know, a, a jewelry box, um,
2: something that doesn't get a lot of wear and tear. Certainly not a tabletop, a surface like that. Wood floors, it's brilliant though,
1: right? According to <laughs> the website, yeah.
2: you'd never want to put it on I, a hardwood floor. I would floor. not want to use it on a hardwood floor for a couple of reasons. Number one, like you talked about, how slowly it dries. Um, typically you want to be able to use that floor sometime this month.
1: Yeah, certainly you don't want to use the 100% tongue oil. Right. But even the other ones, even though you gain a little durability,
2: the number of coats, the lack of durability, the lack of resistance to water and and chemicals it's just not good for a heavy-duty application right
1: at all at all so little projects sometimes yep. furniture if it's not going to get tons of wear and tear ton right. oil can work really well it's yep. kind of fun because you're using old technology and, and some folks like that
2: right and another big advantage to something like that is it's easy to apply you can put it on with a cloth you don't need to have a brush you don't need to clean out the brush
1: so it makes uh the application much simpler right you want to make sure if you do apply it with a rag that you air that rag out and dry it before yes. you toss it away, right? Right. We so. had a certain incident once a couple years back. What was that? In the right. in the plant. So that repco-byte. was with linseed
2: oil, linseed which is oil. another one of the few natural plant oils that will dry on its own. Um, all of them, including tongue oil, have the side effect of being um, spontaneously combustible. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which, Which we all know is not ideal. Right. There's not many it's, situations where you want something that's spontaneously combustible. Right.
2: And so basically, it's a runaway reaction. When it's in an enclosed space, heat builds up, continues to build up because of the the um, the cross-linking with oxygen that's mm-hmm. happening. That the drying process generates heat, and if it's in an enclosed space, that heat can
1: Start a fire, right? We actually had that happen. Yes, and we did. Yeah, the, rags the, 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 in the garbage can. The safe way: never put rags in the garbage can. Correct. With solvent of any kind, probably a good. Yeah, it's a, a it's a good policy. That's right. Air them out once they're dry. You can do whatever, but right. not when they're wet. So shellac. Let's talk about that. Okay. It's what the secretion the, of the lac bug. Right, right. Yes. And it comes in flakes. Yeah, I, I mean, there's two different ways you can get it. Right, you can get it pre-mixed, or you can go old school and get the dry flakes. The, the flakes, version. and then there's different pound cuts. Well, in the in
2: the in the solution version, there's different pound cuts, and that's how many pounds of the dry flakes
1: mm-hmm. to how much alcohol. Right, so and that would be how you'd mix it as well. I mean, you could get the flakes and mix yeah, it to various. Yeah, like a two pound, pound cut
2: is two pounds of of shellac flakes
1: in a gallon of alcohol. Right, so shellac. It's an old one again, again. Thousands of years, three thousand years. There's uh, writings, yeah. Uh, I think from China where it's yeah. referenced, right. And it was older than that already, so very old, right. It's very natural, correct. It gets coated. I mean, a lot of things had been coated with it. It's it, not vegan friendly, right? Because right. <laughs> it comes from a bug. It's not vegan friendly, definitely that. But it's it's usually amber in appearance, yep. And there's a shelf life to it once it's mixed, correct. Yeah, so even the pre stuff, you should check the date. Yes, typically six months. Okay, six yep, months?
2: Six months is safe. You know, year, you're at the limit. Okay, yes, a
1: year would be the limit. So right. normally the cans will be marked. Where would you use shellac and why? Why would you do that?
2: Well, first of all, it's a traditional finish. So if you're doing something that's... And restoration of an antique, it might be a good choice. Secondly, it has the ability to block stains, like tannin stains, like, say, from a knot in a board, from bleeding through the surface. Mm -hmm. If you've ever
1: painted over something like that. Right. Like knotty pine paneling. Right. If you've ever known, it's almost like magic. You paint over it with a water-based product, and you see this brown circle. Right. And sometimes it can happen very quickly.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a tannin's in the wood. It can happen almost instantly. Right. Within minutes.
1: And sometimes- I know from experience because years, years, years back before I knew what was happening, I mean, it was probably 20 years ago when I was in my first house, I saw this happen and I thought, what is going on? Maybe it's a shadow or something in the room. So I painted the area again. Mine oh. was a water stain, I should clarify. It wasn't- Ooh, Yes, but the which, same, same idea. Same, same concept. Idea. And it can take t- it, dozens of coats and yes, it'll still bleed through. I kept putting new and again, more and more coats of paint on and it still kept bleeding through the shellac will seal that off. And usually what we do is a white pigmented shellac for that. Right, right. But either one.
2: Right. Now, another advantage of shellac is they come in the flakes anyway, not so much the the premixed liquid. The flakes are available in a wide variety of colors. Right. So you can get anything from some very, very pale, almost clear mm-hmm. to very dark brown. Right. And the, the, the clarity of those colors is very good. So... Even when you put this amberish brownish liquid on your surface, um, it's transparent, and it really richens the wood. Yeah, you so, so g- gives a lot of um, you know a lot of character. Yeah, and some ability to recreate an antique-looking piece. Right. Not a lot of durability though. No,
1: not very resistant to water, chemicals, Scratches abrasion. Easily. Yeah. yeah, abrasion. So anyway, mainly for restoration-type projects and things like yeah. that. There's French polishing, which is kind of interesting. That's an old method of using shellac. And and alcohol and a rubber mat. Lots and lots and lots of coats. Elbow grease. To... Yes. I tried it <laughs> to see how fun it it's was. It's difficult. It's difficult, yes. It's a skill. I sweating like crazy. It looks so easy, and it looks so fun because it was such an old-school way of building this high-gloss, really rich look. Right. You know, and we see it on old, old... You know, antique furniture. Yeah, the very fanciest
2: of the old, you know, yes. the stuff that you would see in a museum. Right. That Nothing was typically, in my home. Right. Mine either. No. Um, that would have been the way it would have been done.
1: So if you ever see that, French polishing, they're using a shellac, but I it's know. it's way difficult. Yes. It doesn't it, mean don't try it. Right. It's, We're it, Americans. It, it's we a jump skill. in,
2: roll up our sleeves. It's a skill that you could learn. Yeah. It's certainly not, you know... Uh, Something high tech Uh, It's just a matter of Learn by
1: experimentation Takes a lot of time though A lot of time So that's shellac We've got some more That we want to dig into But I think we better Stop here And then we'll Play commercials And we'll pick it up On the other side Sounds good That's coming up next Stay tuned
0: If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on news radio Wood
1: 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, Dan, we're back. Did you get a little snack or something during the commercial? Yeah, I did. Did you? Took a little bathroom break. A bathroom break? Yeah, you know. Well, normally we don't we don't broadcast that to the world.
2: <laughs> okay, well then, yeah, all I had was a snack then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Did you wash your hands after your snack? Absolutely, yes. Okay, good. Anyway, we were talking about clear coats on wood. Yeah. Now, clear finishes on wood. We went through some older technologies. I mean, talking 2,000 and 3,000-year-old right. clear coatings for Tongue wood. oil, shellac. All of those things. Now, let's transition into something a little more modern. Okay. And let's start with polyurethane. Right. Now, polyurethane, it's available in both solvent and waterborne versions and right. we'll break those down later but polyurethane in itself just uh, you know as the genus right of species what's mm-hmm. is that the right way to say that I think so genus is above species okay genus <laughs> species yeah, uh,
2: the species would be waterborne or solvent borne
1: you know i tried to sound smart <laughs> and i was really close
2: yeah polyurethanes
1: maximus I didn't stick the landing though <laughs> i kind of landed flat on my face but anyway let's just talk about polyurethanes in general okay how do they vary or differ right. from the older uh, coatings and technologies that we just talked about right so you know
2: the old things that we talked about those are natural Plant oils or dry from a bug or from a plant. A uh, polyurethane is actually a clear plastic. And w- we can talk about that too, about the negative connotations of plastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we did. We had our old label years back, years back used to say, clear plastic varnish. Yeah, that was a negative. It was a big (laughs) turnoff. Right. Nobody wanted that, you know, antique dresser that they just refinished or, you know, stained and stripped and stained. They didn't want to coat it with plastic.
2: And polyurethane itself, just the name of that word sounds... Yeah, it just doesn't sound Chemically, it sounds Mm -hmm. right. And so how am I going to get a a nice-looking... Finish on an antique piece of furniture using
1: some this, big, long word. Right. But the thing is, it looks very exactly similar identical. to all of these other products. Absolutely identical. Right. It's just that you're gaining tons of durability and tons of... Millennia practical. of development. Yeah. <laughs> right. All these things that have changed. You've got something that resists scratching much better. It's water resistant. Chemicals. It's more solvent and chemical resistant. All of those things. More impact resistant right. than traditional... Old style. Faster drying. Varnishes. Right. Even the oil, because we mentioned tongue oil, pure tongue oil, you're looking at a 48 hour dry time. Right. And even an oil based, solvent based polyurethane, what, six to eight hours? Correct. In normal situations, stuff like that. So in the beginning, when we talked about tongue oil, I mentioned that there was a website that I'd ran across that's a well known website. Which makes you question almost everything you read on the internet sometimes. Or when you You see inaccurate information. When you see inaccurate information, it makes you wonder, wow, what can I take to the bank? But I saw a website that was recommending tongue oil on a hardwood floor. And that just doesn't make any sense at all. There's so many better ways to go. And polyurethane is probably the ideal for that. It is. For a homeowner, a DIYer.
2: Well, even a professional. I mean, it's it's, um, one of the best applications of polyurethane varnish. Um, so it doesn't give a plasticky look necessarily. Um, we can, you know, when we talked about the old type of finishes like tongue oil, yeah, a lot of times they will leave, say, an open poured wood like oak. Uh, you'll see those open pores. Mm-hmm. When we think about polyurethane, sometimes we think, oh, it's going to have this plasticky shell on it. But it's not necessarily the case. Unless you
1: layer and layer and layer.
2: Right. You could get that look if you wanted it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you have to
1: have that look. Right polyurethane, you've got multiple finishes. I know that um, we had a desk, Betsy and I refinished, and we painted the whole base of the desk, but we wanted the top, the writing surface, to be stained and varnished, but we didn't want a high gloss. You know, we didn't want a satin sheen even. So we grabbed the matte finish. And That's couple, another advantage. Yeah. We, we A couple of applications of that. You would never be able to tell the difference between that and some of the other... Older finishes, because we've done other furniture with the older style finishes, the tongue oil and shellac and stuff. we tested them all. You really can't tell a big difference between them. Right. You know, like you said, I can still see some of the pores of the wood and all of that. But now what we've got, because we did both of those and because I spill incessantly, <laughs> I spit, <laughs> I spill, I, and we had both of these surfaces and I got water on all of them. Oh, and, a yeah, dramatic difference. Dramatic difference. The, the polyurethane varnish, no issues at all. The other ones I had issues with. Right. So huge benefit to that. Now let's break down because we've got water-based and solvent-based versions. Right. And there's a little bit of an idea out there that, okay, the water-based... That's not good enough for floors. There's a a certain place where you can use that, but you probably wouldn't want to use it on the floors. And that's that's not 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 the case.
2: Right. The underlying resin type is exactly the same. It's just the solvent that carries it onto the surface that evaporates that's different. What's left behind is exactly the same thing.
1: So we've got MiraClear. It's a a polyurethane (coughs) water-based product, and that will work just fine on floors. It will work just fine in anything. The benefits of the water-based are that it stays clear- Right. And the solvent based will amber over time. Correct. And that's sometimes a benefit. It's hard to say that the clear is a benefit. It's only a benefit if that's what you're looking for. You know, you're making certain colors, very pale. Right. If you've got maple or something and you want it to look natural. that, That natural maple look, the water based polyurethane is going to retain that better. than a solvent base. A solvent base is going to amber. Over time. But on certain woods, the ambering really richens the piece. Yeah, again, like an oak floor. Right, right. That can be beautiful. The water base builds a little slower. That's the big difference between- It's not as high in solids. Right. If you need four coats or three coats with a a solvent base, you're probably probably going to need four coats with the water base. But you can apply them quicker. Yeah, it dries quicker. faster. Yep. So polyurethane- where would you use them? Pretty much anywhere you need a clear coat on wood. Absolutely. inside. Very versatile,
2: yes. We're always talking about interior here with all of these things. Even right. before the break, we were talking about interior
1: wood applications. Right. Where would you not want to use it? Um, I guess only if you're trying to go old school with how you're right. producing a piece. Or if you're doing something that's... So small that you don't want to get a brush wet with sure. polyurethane varnish. Sure. So you've got that what one, one other thing with the polyurethanes that is out there that probably should be talked about are the stain and poly all in one. Coatings. colored varnishes and i should clarify we don't carry any of those no we don't And there's a reason we don't because they don't look good yeah.
2: <laughs> what do you <laughs> just mean? gonna be honest about yeah. it they yeah. just don't look good why they have a kind of well so uh typically what you would do on a piece of wood is you would start with a bare piece of wood put a stain on it let's say we don't want to leave it natural color we want to Accent it a little bit mm-hmm. with a stain. We put a stain on it and then we put a clear coat on top. That's typically how we would do things. What that does is, you know, the stain will soak into some parts of the wood more than others, accentuating the grain, etc. cetera. Um, when we do it all in one, when we have the color in the varnish, Now, it doesn't have that effect. It isn't soaking into the wood more in some places than in others to give that accent to the figure of the grain. Mm -hmm. It looks... It's almost like a mask over top of Yeah, it's sort of a uniform Mm -hmm. um, layer, and it's visibly on top. It's not... In the wood, it's on top, and the
1: next coat because generally you need at least a couple coats of poly to it, the next obscures coat to it, it, even, it more. even
2: more. Yeah, yeah, just it just so. doesn't
1: have a very rich, vibrant look. It has a kind of a dull, muddy look to it. It's not very appealing. There's another issue that you run into, and that's what we've talked about before on the show, is that when you've got stain in your wood, and then you build a protective layer of multiple clear coats, you know, three layers of clear coat, for example when you move stuff across it, and we're talking, you scratch it, but surface scratching. Now, if you scratch it all the way into the wood, you'll remove the color from the wood. Yeah, potentially. like a stain. But light scratches, surface scratches in a clear coat is no big deal. Right. You don't change the color at all. Very when easy your color, to repair. Yeah. When your color is in the finish.
2: Now you've removed some color.
1: Some color as well. That can be a problem. We've had customers dealing with that. How do I fix it now? Well, it gets very complicated. Touch-ups are almost impossible. Almost impossible. So we generally try to steer away from that. There it's are, not a big time saver.
2: That's it, what a lot of people think. Right. It's a compromise right and especially when it's something that you're not you're not refinishing this every two days right right it's going to be this is it for the next 40 years
1: you know and everybody's got their own opinions we we led this segment with that that there are strongly held opinions so if you love you know the the poly and varnish all or the poly and stain all in one all right you know this is just opinion time
2: yeah don't be offended by my opinion
1: I don't like it. And for the <laughs> it Doesn't my, mean I don't like you. <laughs> my main reason is just because of the scratching. Yeah. And and trying to f- deal with that later down the Mine way. is the muddiness. Muddiness of it. Now there are situations where it can be practical. If yeah. you've got a very small amount to do and and you've got I've run into a couple instances where they've had, you know, a replacement piece or something or just a tiny little area and here, I can just get a clear coat and a stain on that. Nobody's going to really see it. The, the, the visual isn't really the big thing. I just got to kind of get a little color on there. Right. Maybe that. Yep. But you're, you're going to get better results, better aesthetic results, and better practical results if you go traditional, you know, stain Stated and a polyurethane varnish. I agree. All right. Lacquer, one last thing before yep. we wrap it up. Just because lacquer, it's a phrase that People used, know the word. Right. It's rubber stamped on everything. You lacquer
2: know, um, is... Um, a very traditional finish again. Very commonly used on furniture. Furniture that you'd find in your home. The main features are: it dries extremely quickly. Um, it's easy to use, but you have to
1: spray it on. Right. Easy to use if, if you've you got have all a the finishing right finishing factory. Right. <laughs> you know something that will ventilate the space. you have, you have a spray, spray boot equipment. And, right. Right. There are brushable lacquers, but. I really don't know why you would want one. If it's for speed of getting something coated up quickly, I would just go to the water-based poly. It's easier to work with. Right. Brushing a a brushable lacquer, I don't even know that I'd say they're terribly brushable.
2: Right. And now you have the issue of cleaning the brush, Mm -hmm. which with a waterborne poly, you don't have that issue. Really, uh, brushable lacquers, have um, they're really no longer relevant. Right. Now, lacquer is
1: on most of the furniture that we've got in our homes, probably, of some sort. Absolutely. There's a number of different kinds of lacquers as well, or what we'd classify as lacquers. Yeah, it's
2: unnecessary to get into that technical detail. Um, understanding that lacquers are typically what would be on a, you know, bedroom set, your dresser, you know, things like that. Is, and they're compatible with other coatings if you
1: do have to do
2: Right. And light sanding, you can paint over them. You could coat over them with polyurethane, w- whether it's waterborne or solvent-based. You know, other finishes are
1: compatible with a lacquer underneath. The big thing is, you know, what we were hoping to do today is just explain some of these clear coatings that are out there for wood because there is a lot of confusion. And sometimes these terms get used very generically and we don't know what we're always referring to. I've I've heard tons of people refer to, I need a lacquer for that. Well, what they actually need is a polyurethane. And a lot of people come in wanting a tongue oil when in fact, because they've been to that website that I talked about. They're doing their floor and they want what's recommended. And there's right places to use some of these and wrong places. And the big thing is to make sure you've got an understanding of what you're asking for. Right. And if you're confused or still, you know, you probably didn't pick up everything along the way unless you were making notes, which everybody should <laughs> do be. people do that? We should get notepads with our logo <laughs> right on it. Have one that hooks yeah. onto the steering wheel of your car. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should advocate that. I don't know that that's the best idea. The big thing is stop out at any Rep Collider Port City Paint store. Tell us what you're working on and we'll help you figure out the right coating for yeah,
2: you. Yeah, let us know that you're doing a project and you need clear coating on wood. Don't tell us you need a lacquer, don't tell us you need a varnish, don't tell us. Just let us know what you got
1: going on and we'll lead you in the right direction. We'll get you there. Now, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about catastrophic failures that can occur if you Ooh, skip your prep. Catastrophic. Yeah, we got a question on the internet about that and I thought it was really cool. Okay. Fun. That's right. coming up next. Fun. Stay tuned.
0: If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood
1: 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back and we're going to talk about catastrophic failure because, I mean, what 2020 wouldn't be complete without us talking about <laughs> <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> failure, right. right? And I guess I should qualify what we're talking about, catastrophic. I feel a little bit like I've been, I've, I've kind of overreached there. Oh when yeah! We've lived just, through twenty. We're November. We're, we're in the final stages final here. stretch of 2020. <laughs> yeah, catastrophic. From what I'm talking about is pretty minor compared to what we've already lived through. That's probably true. Yeah. So yes. that's good. But we did get a really fun question on our. I think it's a fun question. It was fun for us to
2: look look at, maybe not for other
1: people that were living it. I'm not sure about the motives behind the question. We've got a chat function on RepcoLite.com, and we got a question that was basically this. When skipping prep, cheaping out, or using wrong materials, such as the primer or the wrong paint, what kind of catastrophic failures can occur? So I thought the customer was maybe just having a little fun. Maybe they're experiencing a problem. Maybe they just did all of those things. And, and now they're said, hey, wondering, did you
2: do X, Y, Z? Uh, yeah. No.
1: <laughs> oh, I wonder what kind of cat- – I've asked those right. questions <laughs> to other places. Right. So let's talk about that. What kind of catastrophic failures can occur? And let's start with skipping or skimping on the prep work. Skimping, not doing enough prep work. Not doing enough okay. prep work yep. or just – I'm sick of prep work. I'm not going to do any of it. What could possibly go wrong?
2: Oh, we could run into all sorts of problems. Adhesion is a big one. You know, uh, a coating can't stick to a surface that's contaminated. Mm -hmm. It might be uh, contaminated by grease or oil or wax. Radiation. Maybe probably not that Yeah, maybe not. I don't know if you live near a nuclear facility. Every you time might I wanna...
1: think of contamination, I think of radiation.
2: Catastrophic contamination. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. If the fish right. in your bowl has three eyes, right? Yeah, maybe there's a bigger issue. Yeah,
2: then yeah, you get more problems than the paste. But sticking. we're
1: talking surface adhesion. You know, body yeah. oils, dirt, right. things like that. Especially in a kitchen, we see this with kitchen cabinets. Yeah, because all the cooking that typically can go on in a kitchen can cause contaminant to, to form on those doors. The the body oils of us using the cabinets. Right, around the handles and stuff. Polishes, different cleaners like that. Mm-hmm. All of that can create a barrier, or you know, think of it that way, that doesn't allow the paint to really bond to the, the right. surface So we've got to get there. that
2: clean. We've got to right. get that off of there. That's preparation.
1: Right. It takes time. So all of that prep work, it basically involves... You know, the, each situation, every paint project might have slightly different variations on what you need to do, or the best ways to get the surface prepped. But what right. you're looking for is a clean surface, a dry surface. You know, and sometimes something that's not too shiny and slick. Right. So kitchen cabinets, we always talk about. You've got to clean them with a degreaser to yep. cut through all of the all of the contaminant that might be on there. You scuff sand them. To dull that finish down, you wipe them clean to get that sanding dust off. Right now, you're you're ready to to the point where you're ready for a lot of work. Primer, it's a lot of work. Prep work should be about what ninety percent of the work of a project. Absolutely, percentage on it, and it doesn't look great while you're doing it. No, it's and it's no fun. It's absolutely no fun, and that's why a lot of people well want to skip it. Want to skip it, but mainly because it's just it's a lot of work and it's no fun. But if you don't do it, they wanted to know what catastrophic things can happen. You mentioned adhesion, but let's really put a fine point on it so people truly understand what we're what talking about. What adhesion means? Well, what? we know what that means, but it can be, it's not just necessarily that you're going to have a few dime-sized spots that peel off. Yeah,
2: so your example that you've run into in the
1: past. Yeah, because I've talked to you about that before.
2: Right. The home show.
1: Yeah, we had a home show where a, a, a customer showed up. She had just had all of her kitchen cabinets painted and she was showing us a video of these dinner plate-sized pieces of paint that she was able to Peeling peel off Peel off of the doors. Yeah. Oh my. And she could have kept going she could have kept peeling off the paint in the whole kitchen right but she'd shown us enough she didn't want to do that she'd made the point right that's the catastrophic kind of thing that could happen now does that happen every time no but this one was a really unique case but the problem was her question to us at the home show was what do i put on top of it
2: and unfortunately the answer is nothing you can't fix these problems at this point anything
1: on top is just going to continue to peel off it's not going to bond that Right, previous coating to the surface. It's
2: all, there's a poor adhesion there underneath. You can't fix that by putting something over top. Hard to know exactly
1: what happened, but it's definitely a prep problem. That's right. So prep work. You want to make sure you do it, even though it's no fun, right. even though it drags you down. And I would also say this
2: is not something you should dish off to, say, like your kids, <laughs> because they're not going to want to do a very good job of it either. <laughs> no, no. Even though you know you think, oh, it's just sanding. you know They're not going to put in the kind of effort maybe that you... Really need to devote to it.
1: The big thing we always talk about is if you put the right paint on and you do all of those things, it's going to last and last and last. Yeah. So yes, the prep work is boring. Yes, it takes, it slows the process down, it feels like. But once you get through it, it's a one time and out. Now you put your finished paint on and you're good to go. Years and years of enjoyment or whatever use out of it right i guess i'd say we enjoy that when our sure. cabinets are nice yeah yeah if you don't do the prep work there's You're zero not going enjoyment to enjoy it. right yeah. so anyway there's more we could talk about and we'll dig into that on other segments other episodes you know paint and primer all in one we've talked about it before but we'll we'll really dig into that because there's primer is a, a form of prep right and people should know when they should use a primer and when it's when it's maybe not necessary yeah. we'll get to all of that on another episode because we're done Okay. Out of time. This one's over. We're going to put the it in the books. Catastrophe is behind us. Yeah, well, we still got a month <laughs> and a half yet. Anyway, if you want to find this episode online, you can find it at repcolite.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss another episode. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We even tweet once in a while. Awesome. And we'll be looking for other platforms that we can try out as well. Instagram, I think we're working on that. Cool. All of those links are at Repcolite.com. You can find it there. Whatever you do today, make sure you have a good one and make sure you make paint a part of it. Repcolite and Port City Paint stores are all open until 3. Waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altino. Thanks for listening.